Taka Watiti throws Hitler out the window. This is spoilers. Taka Watiti was Hitler, <laughs> but he threw himself out the window. That's a good point. Spoilers, uh, Scarlett Johansson dies. But anyway, <laughs> welcome to the Jojo Rabbit 2019 pod. Uh, I have no idea where Dil- Film Dylan is. He's our guest tonight. Um, where are you out of tonight, Film Dylan? And um, how did you get connected with spoilers in the first place? Hello, I am recording out of uh, Charlottesville, Virginia at uh, good old UVA. Uh, and how did I first get connected with spoilers? Well, I was a listener before I started my own podcast in a study. Uh, and then it kind of just fell into place when Oh Brother, Where Art Thou was going to be chosen for spoilers. Pappy reached out to me. And uh, now I'm back here. Nice. Pappy, you saw Jojo Rabbit just like a couple days ago, right? You might be the freshest on it. Mm-hmm. Just last night, yeah, I went to the... Alamo Draft House here in Colorado, in Westminster, Colorado. Tonight I'm recording out of Louisville, and I do, I, I, I really am glad that we're recording on this. This makes Taika Waititi uh, the four movie club of directors. That is the most of any director uh, that we've spoiled, and I think that he has never received a no, much like Brett's picks, but that's fairly extraordinary. I'm interested to see if it'll hold, hold tonight. Indeed, and Mikey, uh, you said this was your favorite movie of the year. You're recording out of Goshen, Indiana. Can you just expound on that a little bit? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, just so far this year, I mean, I don't, I, I kind of weigh, uh, weigh comedies heavier than most, so I think this is a really funny movie, and I kind of shot to the top of my list personally, but... Uh, I think it's the one of the better movies of the year, and it has a good message, I think, and uh, it makes this message that's kind of hard to swallow uh, easier to digest that's with its comedy. It's kind of genius in how it executes that. I think it's really, really smart. Well, I can't wait to get to what you think the final takeaways are of the movie, but let's start at the beginning, all the way at the beginning. Um, in film, Dylan, you can start us off again. We see Jojo Betsier. Betsier. Um, he's looking in a mirror. He's a German. What's going on with him, and what happens here? Uh, so Jojo here is uh, basically Hitler's number one fan in the peak of uh, World War II here. And uh, the scene basically opens with him talking to his imaginary friend Hitler, which is when we're introduced to Taika Waititi. How do you say it? Is it? Yeah. Taika, I think. I like, doing great. Yeah. I've heard like 50 different pronunciations. But yeah, we're introduced to him. Uh, and I can't remember if it's before or after, but he also, we see Jojo kind of running the streets uh, saying, Hail Hitler to everybody. Hail Hitler. What? You can hail me better than that. Hail Hitler. No, just throw it away. Don't even think about it. Hail Hitler. No, you're overthinking it. Hail Hitler. Hail Hitler. 
Who's Hitler? Do you even speak German? Heil Hitler. That's not the Heil. This is the Heil. Heil. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. That that reminded me quite a bit of sort of the satire of of death of, St- of Stalin, where that was sort of poking fun at the absurdity of the the paranoia of the communist regi- regime. This is almost poking fun at the, or it is poking fun at the fanaticism that that uh, Nazis had, and and everyone says hello by saying Heil Hitler and there are extended sequences where like seven or eight people will say Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler, Heil Hitler in a row and I was laughing yeah. so hard. Very awkward as I saw this movie with coworkers, but Pappy, uh, <laughs> something that won't show up on internet plot synopsis is, is mm. the intro to this movie is like a Beatles song in German. Um, what do you think Ooh. that kind of meant? How, how did that set up the movie for you? Well, and the last song is also David Bowie's Heroes in German. It, yeah. Was it, what was the Beatles song? It wasn't Get Back, was it? It was like, I want to hold your hand or something like mm-hmm. that. It was like total like Fab Four, rocking out America, getting chased everywhere, Beatles. Well, it seems like it a total was. wasted opportunity to not go with Get Back. Jojo was a man who thought he was a woman, but he was another man. I mean, you got this character right there, but I... I it's that's not really the plot though. <laughs> no, it has nothing to do with it. <laughs> that I would say track. <laughs> I don't know. I mean the the use of contemporary pop songs in German actually might have been a point against the movie for me. I, I don't know how it ties in thematically other than providing a little bit of levity. I, I don't know. I, I, is there some some larger thing that he's saying there? Uh, I thought it was comparing I, Hitler's rise in popularity to the Beatles. That's Ooh, what I was getting at. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's what I kind of got because they were showing just Hitler d- doing speeches and stuff while that was playing. It was kind of like he was a rock star while that music was going on. Is what I took from it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know too much about this movie, so I was like, "Is this an alternate universe situation?" We talked about Jojo getting himself pumped up in the mirror, and he ends up going to what I thought the majority of this movie was going to be placed, kind of like Moonrise Kingdom, at like a camp with other kids and be a lot of child acting. Uh, Mikey, do you remember kind of what happens here when he uh, signs up for Boy Scouts or whatever the heck the Nazi version of that is? Yeah, it's not really a montage, but it's kind of just him moving through different activities at camp, and he's kind of fumbling his way through all of these different uh, Nazi training exercises, and we see other kids throwing knives, getting having them ricochet off of trees and getting <laughs> stabbed. <laughs> uh, they're little kids chucking grenades. Uh, just all really out there stuff of... I mean, I don't know if this was actually going on if they're training kids like this, but I mean, it was just all a little absurd, uh, just uh, activities for kids who are trying to enter the war effort for Germany. 
And you say that we should mention the backdrop is there's kind of this impending doom kind of hidden under the surface here for the Nazis. Um, Film Dylan, do you know anything like as the Nazis were preparing for the end? Were they, I think they did have kids soldiers. Like, do you know anything about that? I can't say I know anything about it, but the way that like, not to skip ahead super far, but when like kind of the war finally reaches home, it seems like, like the part where Rebel Wilson is just like handing out guns to kids and just like sending everybody out. I feel like it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be beyond my knowledge of history to think that probably would have happened to To some some degree. degree. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, But it was, it was more fun to just like uh, see it from the perspective of like the kids and how we kind of mentioned earlier, how blind their fanaticism was like just the level of encouragement they speak about (laughs) like burning books and stuff like that. It's just, it was like, really weird to watch but it was obviously pretty funny in that sense kind of subverting what you mm-hmm. think i'm doing a little bit of wikipedia uh research on the fly here it seems like from the hitler youth page that these camps were really a thing that operated but it's to to start the movie off here and to put the focus on a young man being pulled into white nationalism is of course not a coincidence given the context of of 2000 19 I think for a lot of different reasons um but I I do like the jokes too like they they were talking about how like the the one woman had had 18 babies for Hitler uh already Uh, (laughs) yeah yeah Theon Greyjoy in there but what one character to Josh I want to actually kind of explore in depth because I'm very confused by him is Sam Rockwell's character Mm -hmm. What what did you think about he's a great actor but but Josh what did you think about him in this story well, first of all, I just gotta say, regular menthols. Check it out, man. Anything you guys want, we got. Anything you wanna do, do it. You know what I'm saying? Anything. You got any cigarettes? Regular or menthol? Someone out there will get that joke. Oh, job. I understood that. <laughs> that took one second, and then I got it. <laughs> Honestly, Pap, I think he's a main character. I think he's one of the three main characters. So let's mm-hmm. move along with him as we go. Okay. Um, but when he does come to this camp, there's kind of this trio of people in charge. It seems to be like rebel Wilson along with Sam Rockwell and Alfie Allen are kind of, they're in charge or like they're the camp counselors or something. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> For lack of a better term. Yes. And Sam Rockwell is trash the whole time. He's pretty heavily drunk. There's even some slow-mo shots of him, like, taking a flask. But the whole camp scene, the whole Moonrise Kingdom setup comes to an abrupt end. Pappy, there's a rabbit involved, just to, to jog your memory a little bit. But how does oh, yeah. this whole thing end? Well, is it Alfie Allen, Theon Greyjoy, who has a rabbit? Or are there two other sort of No, older... there's, like, some bully dudes. Mm-hmm. So he's going through an exercise. Uh, did they see that... Or Jojo or whatever his name is is kind of a a passive character he's not like full in on the the war games that they're playing so they kind of pick on him later and they ask him to kill a rabbit uh, which he's unwilling unwilling to do at the time and and they they snap the rabbit's neck and they throw it but uh, I think later on uh, I forget what happens like there's some kind of like 
Hitler and him come running through. There's that shot from the trailer, but the long story short, Jojo blows himself up with a grenade. <laughs> and I did not see that coming at all. And he's, so he's relatively significantly disfigured from this. He now is a permanent limp. It was a, a shocking twist to the story because I was with you. I thought this whole thing was going to be a satire at a Hitler youth camp, but it mm-hmm. takes us back to Germany then. I do think that it was a really fun, like, just like snap out of the kind of moment from like how the first 20, 30 minutes, I'm not sure exactly what timestamp that part comes in at, but how much of that seems like a really, really like joyful 20 minutes of like celebrating the Hitler youth and stuff like that. And then that's like a like really sudden moment. And I think it's, uh, there's a lot of these kind of gear shifts between like sequences of comedy and then sequences of something really bad happening. I feel like this one is the best mm-hmm. one because I have some problems with some of the ones later, but this one like really worked for me of like almost a comedic moment where at the same time it's like still pretty serious. It made me go, you know what I mean? It made me go that noise like, holy shit, it just went there. Whereas other ones yeah. go, uh, later on in the movie, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, it ends up being a running theme to his scars on his face and kind of his relationship with his mom, Scarlett Johansson, Rosie. Um, We haven't got really into her too much yet. So, Mikey, what is she like? I think the first time you see her, she's kind of coming in beating some ass because her kid just got blown up. (laughs) Yeah, she is definitely in charge. Uh, She likes to take charge of things and... Her first, uh, I don't know, like action of business after JoJo gets hurt is to go down and tell off Sam Rockwell, like right in front of his face, and kind of like force Sam to still take care of watch over and watch over JoJo while she's she's quote unquote working uh, during the day. Uh, so she she's just kind of like an alpha mom. She's always out there taking care of JoJo, even though she doesn't agree with his politics because she knows that he's a kid he doesn't know what he's talking about and she doesn't agree with the hitler stuff but jojo doesn't know that she's also like a rebel and working with the allies at night so they got an interesting relationship she walks this line of like like you mentioned mikey of, of sweetness but also alphaness i just there were some scenes with her that i actively Disliked. I'm thinking of the scene uh, where she like uses ash from the fireplace to like give herself a beard and dance with Jojo. I mean, I don't know. I I get that Jojo loves his mom. I don't I don't know what Scarlett Johansson really adds to this movie though. And I, I don't know. It's not a popular take, but she might have been my least favorite part of the whole film. I can kind of see it. I feel like the movie starts off when they're showing her as like setting up this really good conflict of, you know, the uh, Hitler supporting Jojo and then kind of the rebel in his mother. And then it doesn't really pay it off. Like, I feel like with the, like, you know, ending of Scarlett Johansson's character arc, Mm -hmm. like, you know, halfway through this movie that I feel like nothing concrete really comes out of it, even though it like set up a really good, uh, debate to go forward but i don't know pep i buy some of what you're saying but let's get to that ash scene later yeah after jojo is in the hospital for a little bit he gets sent home his mom's busy at work and dylan he goes exploring around the house because he thinks he heard a mouse or something right 
Yeah, I think that's what it was. A ghost. Either way, he makes it upstairs to, uh, if I remember right, it's his sister's room, which at this point we don't know too much about the whereabouts or role of his sister. Um, but he stumbles across basically a secret annex where uh, a girl named Elsa has been hiding, a Jewish girl. Uh, and Jojo like freaks out, uh, but she kind of takes him down, and they kind of start to hash things out. Well, great use of the word annex. First of all, mm-hmm. Pappy, what are your first? Yes. What are your first indications <laughs> of this new character as she's introduced? Did this shock you as well? Because I I had no indication of this character in the movie going in. I was, I I was shocked in a good way that they went with kind of a. Uh, Anne Frank type angle on the whole situation. Um, she's she's a very strong character. Uh, she does even provide some comedy, and, and she's she's clearly outsmarting JoJo at every turn, um, which is to be expected since she's significantly older. Um, she has she has a boyfriend who we find out is dead, uh, who who she's very attached to, and JoJo doesn't like. I, I would say if we're just talking about her in in general, though. I have a, a relatively big problem with the fact that the only reason Jojo wants to stop being a Nazi is because he has a crush on this older girl. <laughs> I, I just, I mean, Taika Waititi's going to open himself up for scrutinizing his messaging if he's going to make a movie about Hitler. And I just think that... No, this movie isn't very controversial. But, no, I mean, and I, I think it's funny. I think it's hilarious. I'm all for for what he's doing here. But, like, I just wish... Why does she have to be a, a quote unquote cute older girl? You know what I mean? Like, can't JoJo come to learn <laughs> that without having the romantic angle on his part? I, I don't know. I can see that, especially that's what I was saying. Where you think the conflict or like the the conflict between Scarlett Johansson and JoJo would also be more of a factor than just that. Like, because then if it was an even balance of those two things, it would seem a little bit more natural. But it does te- seem to skew towards the arc with Elsa. So I can I can kind of mm. see that. To Which be fair, though, I think I don't think anything's happening with that. I think he has a crush on her, like a young boy would to her. But like, also, she looks like his sister, so that was like kind of the point of the ruse towards the end. Is mm-hmm. this girl looks exactly like his dead sister? I think he's just a lonely boy. <laughs> <laughs> a big part of the back and forth that happens here in the next kind of portion of the movie is Jojo like going back and forth between wanting or even trying to kill this Elsa girl that he found or loving her and like arguing with her and giving her notes Uh, I just want to open it up for you guys what were your favorite parts on kind of this back and forth then as it went throughout the movie uh, I like that she just keeps giving him the runaround. She says that Jews have all these secret powers and she's kind of like tricking Jojo multiple ways to make it appear as if she does have powers. She's kind of outsmarting him at every corner and Jojo is believing it uh, for the most part. And just the way he like question questioningly looks at her when she says something like outrageous and he's like, I don't believe that. And then he like writes it down in his little notebook. I thought it was like pretty cute. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was very Kaiser Sose esque as she's trying to pull these powers. Right, she's like looking at things around the room, and she's like, "Yeah, we hang upside down like bats." She sees something like with a bat, and like, "Oh, we can read each other's minds," because she sees like this like ad for like a psychic or something. And 
I thought that was really well done. And, and on each of those, it's something we talked about on Hunt, of the, Hunt for the Wilder People too, is Taika Waititi is the master of the extreme close-up, especially of inanimate objects. And, and as he's you know showing these different things around the room, it's very beautiful. It's Wes Anderson-esque. Like the way that those extreme close-ups are framed is, is gorgeous to look at. And that's not something you see often from a comedian slash director you know what i mean that sense of that sense of framing which i, I really like mm-hmm. and dylan i think pappy mentioned it earlier but there's a boyfriend with these letters kind of going back and forth i feel like that's actually a pretty touching part of the movie um do you think you could explain kind of how jojo writes these fake letters and what that kind of communication is like because it's weird right he's talking through this ex-dead boyfriend but he's also saying things that he wants to tell her but can't from his hitler perspective or something yeah i I, for one thing i definitely just like how much you can tell the letters are like written on the fly and like the way they come across is like that like the sentences that just build on each other or contradict each other are really funny and how he'll write one letter and then something will happen and 10 minutes later in the movie he's writing a letter saying like ignore my last letter please uh and it's it's funny for the and i will say the the way it goes down with when you find out that the boyfriend is dead i was legitimately not expecting that even though i was thinking i'm not sure how this girl is buying any of this i still think that the letters were that so much focus was just on jojo and him trying to get his own words out that that kind of plot point was actually pretty well hidden to me uh so i liked that kind of reveal at the end but yeah the letters are just kind of a fun uh kind of avenue for expressing jojo's feelings and same with kind of the book it's kind of a funny running parallel between him doing this nice thing with the letters while at the same time he's still writing all these like crazy things down in his notebook yeah the notebook and the letters are kind of an outlet for him but Pappy, does he have kind of a prisoner's dilemma? Because there's this whole thing going on with like, if he tells his mom, then she'll know. Like, I don't know. There's this whole like deal they got written out. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's something else that's you know we've we've done four of these Taika Waititi movies, and it's obviously something I've thought about or I've put more thought into his movies than, than most other directors at this point. But there's he clearly has some kind of, uh, I, I mean. I'll try to put this in a nice way. He he clearly loves his mom. Like we look at Hunt for the Wilder People, the maternal figure is very strong, and her loss is devastating, mm-hmm. and, and and completely changes that character. And and even though that wasn't necessarily part of Thor Ragnarok, the the mother character is again an important part of his life. And th- he knows that if he tells his mom, if push came to shove, his mom would choose him over this uh, Jewish refugee, and that's that's not a situation that he wants to put her in. And, and there's kind of this other, you know, converse thing where if he, if he tells the Gestapo, she'll cut his neck or she'll cut him or kill him or something like that. So it's <laughs> a, it's a, it's a fun pretext to keep the conversation going. And I think that's kind of what, you know, what the heart of this movie is, right? Is as they talk, uh, he learns that, you know, he kind of likes her for, for a couple of different reasons. And that's why I think your criticism earlier about it just being, cause he has a crush isn't exactly true i think she humanizes the jewish race as weird as that is to say for him like he finally knows a jewish person person and he's been so sheltered his whole life like he really thinks they are bats that can hang from a ceiling (laughs) he's 10 yeah 
yeah i i mean yeah maybe that was a little bit harsh but i i do wish that that was a little bit i i don't know I, it could have been just a dude who was older you know what i mean like why why does he have to like her i guess is my my mm-hmm. only thing but so i think jojo and hitler have a few more meetings in here uh toss him back to my spoiler i think one of my favorite just like little bits was like Hitler says bye like I gotta go take care of some business and just like jumps out of the window like Tweety Bird or something (laughs) he flies out of the window it's hilarious it's so awesome (laughs) yeah I don't think there was a single Hitler meeting I disliked in this movie all Mm -hmm. of those were really funny like Taika Waititi was a lot of fun to watch whenever he was on screen just the even like the the lampooning of, of Hitler as a idolized figure like when when Taika Waititi's looking all goofy, like swimming through the pool as Hitler, like that's awesome. That's that's what I'm oh, signing yeah. up for. If we're gonna make fun of evil dictators, let's let's make them look stupid and silly. That's cool. Ninety five percent of it was like silly, stupid, crazy characterization, and then it would hit these five percent notes where it was like, this is like Hitler coming through. Mm-hmm. Mikey, did you feel that at all? I think that's what makes this movie smart is uh, for a lot of this movie, you kind of see that through Jojo's eyes, Adolf isn't a bad person. He's like so wrapped up in the propaganda of like Nazi Germany that to him, Hitler is just a friend. And then when he starts really thinking about it after his relationship with this girl kind of like keeps going on, he realizes that some of the messaging is like really messed up like for a lot of the movie when he's at the camp they don't even talk about like oh we need to kill all the jews or anything they're just like oh we got to get ready for the war effort we got to help the germans and all this stuff a lot of it is not even talking about the holocaust or any of that stuff it's just like got to help the germans got to help the army so yeah honestly i'm not sure i remember a single moment that really addresses that now that you bring that up maybe like one or two but that is pretty much shelved most the, of the only time. time it yeah. comes up is when jojo himself is going to his like camp counselors being like so what is it about jews like he has to bring it up from the oh yeah jews uh they're like and bad yeah, right they constantly blow him off they <laughs> like you're still talking about the jews just move on jojo go hang up these leaflets <laughs> okay but that's okay that's my question about sam rockwell's characters i i truly don't understand his motivation he's, he's clearly homosexual and then that's even demonstrated by him wearing like the pink triangle at the end but he's a nazi officer who's undercover as a homosexual he's actually sympathetic sympathetic to jewish causes i don't i don't well, understand what's going out. on okay you can't come out as a nazi they would do the same thing as they would do to a jewish person back then so mm-hmm. And then in the end, he does, like, give himself up for JoJo. So he, I don't know. He, I think he's, like, the reason he drinks the whole movie is because he's, like, so at odds with himself and his work. Uh, So he's just, like, kind of drinking himself into into his own grave, pretty much. Clearly, he hates himself. This is a dude, I don't think we've mentioned, he's had one of his eyes shot out. He's kind of limp. He's, like, uh... It's kind of like Uncle Rico-esque. Like his his best days are behind him, but he can still throw a ball over the mountains right. if he like wants to. Um, but in the next scene, Pappy, and you can expand upon this, uh, Jojo is just like chilling at home one day. I think he's like 
just finished writing a letter to Elsa or something, but Steve Merchant, who's playing like the <laughs> Gestapo cop. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> yeah, and shit gets real here too. But they they burst in. Well, I feel like the biggest asshole in my theater because Steve Merchant shows up and I just bust out laughing. But it's like the serious scene where the Gestapo's at the door and nobody else must have recognized Stephen Merchant. So I felt like a big asshole for like giggling <laughs> at his appearance. But but yeah, they they come to his house and uh, again we see Elsa showing her her you know superior cleverness that she pretends to be his dead sister and they, they, they're pressing and they say please present your paperwork and she hands it over to Sam Rockwell and she incorrectly remembers the birth date but Sam Rockwell ignores this. It's, a, it's kind of how we get a sense that he's on on their side but I thought Stephen Merchant and the Gestapo, we talked about like the Heil Hitler like over and over jokes like that this is like where that joke really shines with those like seven Gestapo people. Yeah. It was it was really funny, and everything that happens here is pretty funny while having it, a weird sense of tension at the same time. Oh my god, it's so tense while they're doing all those Heil Hitlers, and the poor Jewish girl just has to keep saying it over and over again. It's super uncomfortable. See, this is where I think the movie is like like shines the most is when they put the kind of serious stuff and the comedy in the same scene rather than doing a scene of either that like just pivots really suddenly which kind of happens later on it's like the moments here where the bad stuff is looming in the background but there's kind of levity throughout that i thought like really work because like you get like one brief comedic moment but then you're like oh yeah right they're still gonna find this girl and all that and like this scene really exemplified that to me because Stephen Merchant was obviously really funny, but you knew the stakes that were exactly there the whole yeah, time. and it reminded me a lot to call back to uh, Death of Stalin, like that opening sequence where they're recording uh, the album for Stalin. I have to like make it the exact same. Like you, oh, you have yeah. to on one hand show the absurdity of these policies, and and in that absurdity, absurdity, like you, that's where the comedy comes from. It's like this is these people were so insane. Like how could anybody think like that? Mm-hmm. And yeah, Stephen Merchant comes off really goofy and silly and even limp, like in his conversation with Sam Rockwell. Like, even though he's taller, he's kind of like cowing. But mm-hmm. at the same time, he's got like these four, five, six other Gestapo dudes just like tearing through the house looking for anything they can find. Dylan, they find the Jewish dictionary according to JoJo at some point here, right? Yeah, his uh, book he's been writing, mm-hmm. I believe. Yeah, um, and they're just paging through that. They're loving every uh, every page of that. JoJo is clearly a little bit like heard that they're reading some of it because I think there's uh, a page that has Elsa's boyfriend uh, just suffering various painful wounds and deaths, if mm-hmm. I remember right. Um, so it's kind of a. I feel like that is a, a really solid moment of. The stakes are still there. They're looking through this notebook, though, so it's kind of funny how they are commenting on the things. But then there's also the the character relevance with Elsa and uh, Jojo. And I feel like Sam Rockwell is a really cool kind of anchor point in this scene because he seems to have the most read of everything that's going on. And so every time they showed him, that's when I was really interested in where the scene was going is kind of what he was thinking as soon as the kind of identification thing had happened. I suspected something was up when he just handed back the papers saying correct and obviously you don't really come to find that out until a couple minutes later but it was it was cool to kind of bounce around to all the different characters in that moment yeah i think sam rackwell was like jojo maybe to a lesser extent and joined the army and fought long and hard survived longer than any of his 
comrades did. And now at the end of the roar, he's cynical and just like, this is bullshit. Like Jewish people aren't different. And I kind of like that. Like, even though he's really good at like pulling his pistol out and uncle Ricoing it, I think, Mm -hmm. I think he really has like learned something or something. I don't know. And I I even want to take a step back too. And I I think Sam Rockwell is an incredibly, incredibly brave actor. And and because of that, he's without a doubt going to get his third or fourth best supporting actor nomination in just about as many years. And he took a lot of heat for uh, his portrayal of the racist cop in three billboards uh, in Missouri. And if you look at certain websites, he's taking a lot of heat for playing a, a, a good guy racist who's redeemed. Again, I'm, I'm putting that in an extreme air quotes, but his, his heart really does come through. And like I said, I, I was maybe sometimes confused by his character's motivations, but even Mikey, like explain like, that's why he drinks makes it makes a lot of sense. And I, I'm Relatable. really, yeah. I, I mean, like I, to me, the, the, the roles that he's kind of put on his back and taken on these past couple of years, he's probably one of my favorite working actors uh, to do that. Yeah, now is a good time for me to say that he is my favorite working actor right now. Like, no question. Every, awesome. Every movie he's in is he's cool. my favorite part of it. Like, I, I just love him. Just kind of a theory I have. I think when Steve Merchant and the Gestapo marched into JoJo's house, I think Scarlet, JoJo's mom, was dead already. And I think there's a chance that maybe Sam Rockwell's character knew that too which could possibly explain why he's like extra sensitive to this young boy that he probably relates to in that brainwashed way as well. But so sorry, sorry, plot clarification. Scarlett Johansson was hung for passing out those flyers, right? That's why they got her and nothing to yeah. do with the- She was leaving secret messages and stuff. Scarlett's she been up to some shady underground railroad stuff this whole time. Film Dylan, how do you said you had some problems with it, but feel free to tell us the problems, but also can you just set up how we kind of find out she's deceased? Uh so the the scene basically entails uh Jojo just kind of walking the street and he's tracking on this butterfly. Uh when he comes to see the shoes hanging there, which the shoes were I I have to say the shoes were definitely set up really well throughout the movie of one of those things that's just kind of subconsciously in the back of your mind you've seen it the the shoes just the shoes dancing and stuff like that several times up to this point um but that's just kind of the sudden reveal is oh those are the shoes and you know you're kind of with jojo like hoping for a second it could be anyone else but obviously that's not the case but my main problem is not necessarily the plot point although i do wish like i've mentioned that kind of the jojo scarlett johansson relationship was explored a little bit more leading up to this but it just felt like there was a lot of gear shifts where so much of this movie, the kind of Holocaust stuff and like the the bad stuff is treated with so much levity that like you almost forget about it for like long stretches of this movie. So for this, it, it's supposed to be like a kind of comeback to a, a realization moment of, oh, right, this is still all there. But it almost felt like it was too shelved throughout this movie that when I came back to it, I was like, oh, but we've still just been having so much fun. Like it didn't hit me as hard as if it had always mm-hmm. been kind of lurking in the background. I kind of compared it when I uh, first finished watching it to uh, Life is Beautiful. I'm not sure if any of you have seen Life is Beautiful. Um, I actually haven't. Yeah. It's one of the few IMDb top 50s I haven't seen. It's a very, very good movie, and that's also kind of the Holocaust comedy idea. 
And that movie, there's plenty of comedy. It's not as off the wall as the comedy in this movie, but it's always, and I'm pretty, like I say, pretty much always set against something like really bad mentioned in the lines surrounding it. So that kind of threat is always there, and it makes like the big, like, oh, right, Holocaust stuff, like that continues to pop up. It feels a little bit more of a natural outgrowth than this when we just snap back to it, it almost is like too sudden uh, from how much fun we've just been having. And like Hitler is such a kind of over the top character that a lot of the things he says are just kind of popping off. They're not really like hitting like, Oh yeah, all these bad things are still happening. Yeah. I think that uh, all of the kind of extreme levity during all this dark stuff, I think that like plays into I don't want to say this movie is surreal, but there are some surreal moments. Uh, I mean, the mom and Jojo are dancing in the street, uh, all, all kinds of like fun, goofy stuff while this war is going on. And I think we're supposed to be seeing this war through like the filter of Jojo's like propaganda filled eyes. So it's just like to him, it's just another normal day out on the street. He's hanging up his propaganda posters and then he's, hit with this realization everything the facade kind of falls down and he sees his mom there so i don't have any problem with those strong shifts and gear change like Mm -hmm. you said i think it's just like kind of what we're supposed to be feeling if we're jojo during this time he's just a kid he doesn't know any better at all and then this awful thing happens to his mom and it kind of just slaps him in the face a bit. And I talked about how there's kind of those parallels between uh, Hunt for the Wilder People and this movie with the maternal death. And in Hunt for the Wilder People, the choice is to, to make that maternal death at the very beginning of the movie. And that's kind of the catalyst for the, the that main character to, to explore and, and gain a deeper appreciation for his father. I don't know if it would have worked to have the maternal death if Scarlett Johansson would have died, you know, within the first 20 minutes of this movie, that would have been certainly shocking and unexpected. Um, I just, I didn't love, I guess, where it came in the film after everything had built up. Josh, I mean, did you, how'd you feel about her death? Yeah. So we have a lot of setup, like Dylan mentioned. I think there's, I counted three, and I only watched the movie once, but I counted three times where they showed ScarJo's wooden or leather shoes or whatever they are, like in that same framed up manner that they show him when she actually is hung. So I felt even subconsciously, if you didn't notice that, you're probably still feeling that um, undertone. And there's also like a part of the movie where she starts drinking more heavily which I think is kind of interesting. Um, mm-hmm. There's like this whole chewing grape scene. But then Pappy, I think a lot of this comes back to where she wipes ash onto her face and that whole scene. And contrary to what you said, and maybe you didn't like it, but I think you'd have to admit that's probably one of the most impactful scenes of the movie. This father figure, no, no questions are answered at the end of the movie, but this mythical father figure is like, she kind of lampoons him here, but she also kind of is clearly pining and missing him too. I don't know if he's working for the Germans or some counter-resistant or if he just died randomly, but I feel like that whole mystery and not knowing how and why people died is probably a big part of what happened in World War II. Yeah, no, definitely. And that's something that all of the best filmmakers know how to do is, is when to dull out information and, and how to reveal it to the audience. And I, I, 
admittedly, I, I wasn't surprised to learn that JoJo's dad was a part of La Resistance or whatever he was doing uh, in Italy. Yeah, it, it maybe, maybe, maybe not. But I, I, I do. I don't know if it was me writing the script, and I, I hate this kind of criticism because it's like I said, Last Jedi lazy on other episodes. But I, I would have hey. just, I would have <laughs> just done it in a little bit of different way, where maybe at the end of the film he has that spark of hope, where he's made this uh, protagonist like change and then he finds out that oh his dad was actually on his side the whole time i i don't know i that's not good criticism but i took it as that his dad being on that side was just as likely a lie as being the truth and yeah dylan to what you said earlier like there were some extreme like this movie has some really slapsticky funny parts but i do think the movie needed the huge gut punch that was ScarJo's death. I felt that. Did you... I don't know. Did you think later in the day? Were you you sad? Did it linger with you at all that she was killed and a poor child was left alone? That was kind of the thing. For whatever reason, that happened, and it wasn't as much of a gut punch as I really wanted it to be and like was trying to make myself feel it. Like I saw it, I'm like, oh, I should be really sad right now, but for whatever reason, I'm just like, oh, I guess this is part of the story. And really the only thing I could pinpoint it on was that it, it, there was just not enough reason to believe that that's where the story was going, which should like work in its favor that it takes this really unexpected turn. But I guess I had just been like so engrossed in how much it was just like a really like, you know, all over the place kind of comedy that it, it just didn't feel within the tone of this movie. It, it still should work. I, that's what I've, I haven't been able to like pinpoint. That's kind of why my own reasoning is it's just the best I'm, I've been able to reason it for for whatever reason that movie ended and like I was thinking of all these things that happened and that was just not among them even though that's something that really should stick with you so for whatever reason that just didn't uh, hit me as much as I wanted it to and you know that's kind of the way I've been trying to explain it to myself but (laughs) anyone else I mean was it too telegraphed or something you know I Josh and Mikey you were on the hunt for the wilder people episode I felt like the stepmother's death and and I could go back to it you know 20 minutes into the movie that was way more of a gut punch to me. And, and maybe it was just sort of the simplicity of the relationship and the way that we saw it made the character change. I don't know. I obviously Jojo loves his mom, but I, at the same time, he's at odds with his mom. I I wish there would have been more of Jojo coming back to his mom. And maybe that's, that's what we see with what Dylan was saying with the shoe tying scenes that he needs his mom to tie his shoes, you know, that basic thing. But like the, the Ricky Baker song that the stepmom writes for uh, Ricky Baker and hunt for the wilder people is just more <laughs> endearing than the act of tying shoes. I, I don't know. I, we're splitting hairs there, but hmm. Pappy, you didn't like the Ash scene. Like there's a I part really of didn't. it where where she to me it seemed like she in a crazed fashion wipes it on her face and like yells at him and then is almost like sobbing regretting her decision to do that at the fire and then she digs in deeper and is like sorry i yelled at the kids just go talk to him and then she like you know what i'm talking about it's so weird how does that not stick with you my i i have no criticisms of scarlett johansson's performance or no negative criticism of her performance I, th- I think she's doing a good job it's just maybe I'm like Mikey said we're seeing this movie through the eyes of Jojo and to see the mom 
you know, she's having dinner in a glass. She's she's drinking a bunch of wine for dinner, and maybe it's just not as enduring to me as the sweetness of some of the other moms that we've seen in his films. Um, but it's hard to say when she's harboring a Jewish refugee. She's a very nice lady. I'm not trying to, <laughs> to diss on her, but. Don't you ever talk to your goddamn mother like that? I think this is that it's one of those scenes where it's a little bit surreal. I mean, there's some uh, parts in this movie where it's almost like a stage play. Like this part, I think, is almost set up like a stage play. She's really kind of working the area and just being really dramatic as she goes over to the fireplace and stuff like that. And it all looks like a like a Broadway show, the way she's kind of acting it out. So I think it just like kind of suspends reality for a little bit is kind of the point Taika is trying to get across. I will say as much as the kind of moment with the reveal of Scarlett Johansson's death, like it didn't affect me. I think part of it that made matters worse is what happens immediately after, which to me was the biggest moment that kind of took me out of the movie, uh, which if it's okay to move ahead is, is Jojo returns home after this and basically sees Elsa and just whips out his Nazi knife and just stabs her right in the shoulder. And that moment really took me out of it for a second. Yeah. Yeah, it's confusing because poor Jojo, his mom dies, he's left alone, and you're feeling sorry for him. And I think ultimately this is a turning point in the movie because this is where the facade of how great the Nazi party is finally starts to fall, but his first reaction is anger and he may whip it out and stab her in the shoulder, but as quick as he does it, I love the fact that Elsa like out just strengths him and Mm -hmm. just like grabs it and shames him afterwards. It's kind of a cool scene in that way. Mikey, did you think this was like Jojo was going to come home and say like, we're going to run away to the shock you at all? Uh, I was just kind of wondering how he's going to pay rent next month. <laughs> I was just, how he's going <laughs> to yeah. eat. We've seen like a little bit later, he's kind of just picking scraps up off the ground in alleyways and stuff to eat. So it's really sad. Um, but yeah, when he stabs Elsa, I mean, he's just angry. I mean, she's the reason that she's dead, really. Uh, she was harboring this Jewish girl and the Gestapo found out about it. That's why she died. I mean, of course he resents her, but he knows deep down that it wasn't really her fault. uh, I think. And right now his world is just like crashing down around him. Everything he knows is not what it seems. So he's just kind of like lost is what I was taking from it. I don't think he hates Elsa at this point. He's just has nothing else to turn to. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe he's hoping she'll almost like kill him or something at this point. Not really sure. But um, ultimately, Elsa stops him. And then, you know, she's gotten to know Jojo and knows he's a harmless little brainwashed boy at this point. So she comforts him. And so they start like he. 
I don't really get what happens here. She like goes back into hiding and then he goes outside to figure out what's going on or something. It's uh, the end of the war. Like the allied troops have basically surrounded uh, the city. And uh, one of the f- funniest parts I think of this movie is when rebel Wilson's like suicide bombing some of the kids. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That up. joke was crazy. That was, that was the biggest joke that I was like, I don't know how to feel about that, but it's really funny. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's awesome that they went there, but yeah, this is the the dying days of a, a dictator regime, and we come to find out that Hitler, at this point in history, has actually committed suicide. The war is effectively over, and from our American history stand like textbook standpoint, point, like once Hitler commits suicide, we don't really follow up on it much after that. But there were surely some cities like this who were mounting some kind of last defense, if out of fear of nothing else. I love his uh, little friend here. I can't remember his name, but he's running around in like a paper mache Nazi suit. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I just got issued this new suit. It's paper-like material, the best the military can provide or whatever. <laughs> it's just like, just because the war effort, they have absolutely no resources at this point. So they're just like fighting with a bare bones and t- chucking kids into the war. It's just kind of bizarre how kind of desperate and funny that that whole angle kind of turns out to be yeah and he runs into his friend it, we didn't really get into whole his whole friend with Yorkie he, he's like his little mm. camp friend they have a really touching friendship throughout the movie it's one of the highlights for me actually it's really funny every time they see each other Pappy let's finish out Sam Rockwell's yes. character arc here then because as Jojo's running around seeing like the last of the Nazis be decimated. He runs into regular menthols once more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Classic episode spoilers, TMNT. Uh, But I, this is kind of where my confusion on the Sam Rockwell character comes because he's wearing the pink triangle, which is, you know, a a symbol of that. You were going to basically get sent to a concentration camp during Nazi Germany. But at the same time, Sam Rockwell still seems to be fighting on part of the Germans with Theon Greyjoy. But the sacrifice that Sam Rockwell makes at the end, I think is, is very endearing where uh, Jojo has kind of been scooped up because he's wearing that Nazi, that Nazi coat that uh, rebel Wilson gave him. And uh, he, he, Sam Rockwell labels Jojo as a Jew uh, and the, the Americans release him uh, because of that. Cause he spits in his face and everything. And then there's a, a very dramatic off screen death for him. And he gets shot by like a thousand Uzis. It sounds like it's something absolutely <laughs> ridiculous, but, but yeah, I mean, that's, he's a very complex character in the, in this movie. And, and like I said, the, the real sticking point for me is I don't understand he seems to be out at this point. His, his even his uniform has become flamboyant. He seems to be embracing his relationship with with Theon. I don't understand why he would still be shooting at the Americans at that point. But I guess he's redeemed by his final sacrifice. It's I don't know. Yeah, I think he is a pretty complicated character that I wish was explored like a little bit more because um, his screen times it's it's there. But I, I think a couple more scenes with him to kind of further explore that would have been nice and part of it might just be that i like really enjoy watching sam rockwell and that could have also just added to the reason i enjoy his character but i also like feel weird saying it but this scene did affect me probably more than the reveal of scarlett johansson like seeing 
Sam Rockwell like switch gears and start calling JoJo a Jew and everything and like spitting on him and everything. That when I realized where that was going and what was probably going to happen, that was much more of a gut punch to me than the bigger reveal mm-hmm. from earlier. Which I know, it, like, in no way is Sam Rockwell's character a better dude than Scarlett Johansson's character in any way. But that sacrifice like hit me a lot harder than Scarlett Johansson's moment. And I think I, I, not to make it you know too about the the business side of it, but Sam Rockwell and his agent to some extent read what's what's being said about them and there was a huge amount of criticism that he got from like you know playing the the racist cop who who's redeemed yeah. in three billboards and this seems like a big middle finger to everyone who who criticized that portrayal and I love it I am so for for that as a statement as an actor mm-hmm. well just taking this movie on its own face I feel like a german soldier who's conscripted like he is in this final battle he knows he's screwed if he does screw if he doesn't like to me he's just trying to get drunk and going in and having fun in this battle if he can and try to do well i don't know i don't blame him for firing off in this last alamo stand i think he knows he's done some pretty messed up stuff in the past it's unforgivable regardless Mm -hmm. so i don't know He, he goes out in a blaze of glory like you all said um jojo does have that reuniting moment with Yorkie who shoots off a missile hilariously (laughs) into a side building accidentally. Um, And Pappy, maybe you just want to hit it on it one more time, but is this where they show like Jojo's stomach with butterflies in it or something? And he actually says something about loving Elsa, but then she says her boyfriend is dead, but she's Mm -hmm. older and, how and, does this movie end here? And 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 if I'm gonna like love you know one last kind of thing I didn't like about it, it went on for a little bit too long because Jojo is he initially tricks her and said the Germans won or he said we won, which I, is is right. is a really good word choice because you know this is kind of indicating that now he's he's made that shift in his head and now kind of ultimately though he has to learn that to let her go that he can't keep her imprisoned which is which is you know that's that's the final choice that he makes that's not necessarily a theme that resonates throughout the whole movie but but to the point of the the butterflies in the stomach that's what i love about taika he he he's bold visually and to like kind of animate those butterflies in his stomach as much as i don't love that as a plot point it looks cool it's a really cool looking decision to do and he lets her go and david bowie in german plays and roll credits I obviously really like this movie a lot, but one of my complaints was it it ends like Garden State. I think the last actual line is, what do we do? And it's that kind of exact Dance. same face-to-face <laughs> shot. But yeah, Mikey, what do they do <laughs> after he says that? Well, earlier in the movie, JoJo, I think, asks what would be the first thing you do whenever this war ends, and she tells him... I would dance, and uh, that's what they do at the. That's the first thing that they do when they step outside, or when she steps outside for the first time, is they dance, and then we get that David Bowie song. And it kicks off from there. It's such a simple dance, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know something about the cutting here. 
is I think really genius back and forth between their faces and kind of deadpan that effectively ends the movie okay so uh, Dylan thanks again for joining us clear out from Virginia on this late Thursday night you got a yes or no for Jojo Rabbit Uh, for this movie it's definitely going to be a yes it's not like a huge beaming yes but it is a yes I might have seemed like I was going hard on this movie every now and then with kind of my critiques of it but I overall I still had a really fun time watching this movie I think the comedy was really on point and then kind of the you know actual plot lines was a bit of a mixed bag like I, I enjoyed the Sam Rockwell plot line and then the Scarlett Johansson one was kind of eh and then of course the central one with Elsa is pretty solid all around so overall I would definitely give this movie a yes again Kind of some of the plot stuff is okay, but the comedy really helps this movie a lot. A lot of good visual comedy as well as just kind of the banter throughout. Dylan, you're making me think that her effectiveness in my mind in this plot is just because I have a huge crush on her. Like, <laughs> <laughs> when she's on screen, I can't not watch her. I don't know. Uh, Mikey, you're up next. Uh, I'll give it a pretty hard yes. I said that it was one of my favorite movies of the year so far. And I think it uh, does all of the comedy things right. I think uh, that's kind of the most effective kind of way to get this kind of messaging across. Um, And I don't even think the messaging in this movie is that Nazis are bad or anything. I, I think it's more of... This is kind of what can happen if you're surrounded by this propaganda. It can be not even your own fault that you get kind of sucked into this whole way of thinking, uh, especially if you're such an impressionable young kid like Jojo is. I think it's more of like uh, showing a slippery slope, these kinds of these kinds of ways of like using propaganda and stuff can be like really effective and like kind of scary how effective they are so i think that's more of the messaging and all of the stuff that we said about the comedy is great the the plot points with uh jojo's mom might be the weakest of anything in this movie but i give it a a hard yes I, i liked it a lot and i think uh i think it's Taika just can't do anything wrong, really, in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, I loved a lot of what you said there, Mikey. I'll also give it a yes. Um, one thing I kind of rolled my eyes at is he did that, like, 360-degree shot that he always does in this again. Um, it was, like, in the Anne Frank room with him, with JoJo and Anne Frank, like, taking different positions throughout the room, like, time passing by. I just think that shot's kind of cheesy. Um, Mikey, what you said about like the propaganda and like that whole message and like the main thing, I agree with you. I'm glad we didn't get into it too much on this pod because it, like it legitimately scares me in real life, and I think that's like one of the cool things this movie does. And I think that's what you're saying at the beginning of the pod is um, really talks about like power shifts and how uh, brainwashing can really affect like an individual family. Um, it's interesting. I, I don't know how realistic it is, said, but... 
Well, you said about it, you thought it was going to just take place at a summer camp. I, that's what my thought was going into the movie, and that's what the trailer is. There, there's nothing outside of the summer camp in the trailer, so... Yeah, I think uh, it does that on purpose, just to kind of turn you on your head, that this is not... This is not, uh, what is that, uh, a Wes Anderson kids movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's what, it, why it uh, marketed itself that way. There may be some Wes Anderson moments in here too, but I love those. And that's three yeses so far. And I know that Wachiti has been flawless in spoilers lore so far. So, Pappy, are you going to continue that trend for us? Yeah, before I before I give my yes or no, I just want to give a big shout out to Film Dawn and the Cine Study Podcast. Legitimately, probably one of the best, if not the best and most informed guests that we've ever on this podcast. So obviously an open invitation to him anytime he wants to come back. But to wow, to quote Robert Duvall in Apocalypse Now, someday this podcast is going to end. <laughs> and if this podcast ended and Takawatiti was the king of directors, I would be so fine with that. This is an extremely hard yes for me. And, and when we look back at the four films that we've done from him, he's done a horror comedy, which was hilarious. He's done a Marvel movie, which is the biggest movies as far as money making that are out today. He did a very personal piece about his home country of New Zealand. And now he has the balls to do a movie making fun of Hitler where he plays Hitler. I don't, I don't even think that we gave him enough credit for, for being an actor and a director in this film. Um, it's easy to parse the messaging and easy to find, you know, minor nitpicks with the messaging or even the tone, but he's walking a tightrope of, of making a satire comedy about the Holocaust or, or Nazi Germany or however you want to put it. So it's an extremely brave choice to do. The moments of our, the moments of comedy that were funny, I, I belly laughed at. Um, I did feel some sorrow at some points I think mostly towards what film Dylan was indicating you know towards the Sam Rockwell character at the end more so than Scarlett Johansson but but I'll be goddamned if he's not one of the most exciting filmmakers today I can't wait to see what he's coming out with next and yeah it's he's never gonna get a no from me on this podcast hard yes for Taika Waititi's Jojo Rep that's so skewed because he's like running the next Time Bandits franchise. So yeah, I know what I'm doing, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> he also directed with my words. Uh, Chapter Eight of the new Mandalorian TV series oh, right. and voices a character in that. So we're kind of doing that series side by side with this, right? He's basically our king. He's <laughs> got to wind up being the most prolific uh, entertainment personality. I wouldn't be surprised. All right. Well, um, thank you, Joshua Hensley, for writing our theme song. I feel like we take that for granted a lot. Is there? When's the last time we've even said that in person, Pappy? Too long. Great theme song. Uh, Dylan, do you want to plug any of your social media before we toss it to Spoiler Man? Yeah, sure. Well, first, definitely say uh, thank you guys for your kind words a couple minutes ago. That was very nice. And likewise, you guys' show is awesome. I love being on it and. Yeah, I cannot recommend this show enough also, so thank you for that. Um, but yeah, you can uh, check me out on Cinestudy Podcast. Uh, as of recording this, I have a Shining episode in the can that I just haven't edited yet, so maybe that'll be out oh. at some point. Um, it's a mini-review, not an extended analysis, um, but it's a it's a long mini-review, so it's it, it still has some, some talk in it. But 
yeah, so Cine Study Podcast, and it's the same on Instagram. Uh, it's kind of the main thing I run. So, do you go see Doctor Sleep? I have not yet, but I definitely plan on doing it. Yeah, it's good. And unfortunately, Dylan experienced how stalwart of professionals we were as we started this pod. <laughs> Mikey counted out three, two, one, click, and then me and Pappy were like, "Wait, who's host?" <laughs> <laughs> So I hope it wasn't too rough. Uh, Thank you for listening to Jojo Rabbit. That was spoilers. But when I woke up, I took a look around myself. And I was surrounded by 50 million strong. Oh, yeah. Everybody's got to live. And everybody's going to die. Before you know the reason why yeah. Everybody's got to live And everybody's gonna die Everybody's got to live You gotta live Before you know the reason why Do not let your German brain I won't let her bust my German brain around. Mein Führer. I know too. Now, that was spoilers.